just so aware that we really need God, don't we? We need him every moment of every day. And without him, we really can't do anything. But with, with him, we can do everything he calls us to do. Nothing is impossible whenever we are trusting in him and allowing him to live through us and enjoying his presence. I mean, we, are, we, are the, we have to be the happiest people in the world, don't we? Happiest people on the earth because we are the ones in whom he lives. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so we're going to continue today, we're going to continue looking uh, in, in Luke chapter 8. We're going to finish this chapter today. Uh, if you're, those of you who were here last week, you'll know that we talked a good deal last week about how God wants us to sow into the kingdom and how when we sow, then we reap and, and how we reap what we sow. And we looked last week at the importance of that, the importance, how Jesus spoke about the importance of hearing the word and doing it. Hearing the word and doing the word. And last week, we saw that Jesus really encouraged his disciples to sow. And it was amazing for me because afterwards I had a few texts from people and they were talking about how they were really encouraged in what they were sowing into and the stuff that God opened up for them to do, that they were seeing it as sowing into the kingdom. And that's, that's, the, that's the truth. That's what should, the way it should be. So now we're going to look, uh, continue with this and we're going to um, look at Luke chapter 8 and uh, we're going to look at um, verse 22. It says here, Now it happened on a certain day that Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. Just want to stop there for a moment because uh, I think there's something just in that one verse that'd be really good for us to think about for a minute. Because two years ago in, in Galilee, 2016 in Galilee, we had taken a group of people to Israel and the first morning we were doing what we normally do, we were going out onto the lake in Galilee and the boat was waiting and as we got into the, the boat and we, we headed out, uh, the guy who owns this boat, he's a Jewish believer, he's a Messianic Jew, and he uh, had some Christian music on and he was singing, he was singing worship songs, and as the boat was just slowly, slowly moving out from the shore, this, these worship songs were going up and people were standing around and just that moment of, oh my goodness, we're here, we're in Galilee, this is where Jesus was, and just in that moment, I kind of turned around and I had this experience of, and don't think my head's going a bit crazy or anything, but I had this just this sense of, or if you like, just a wee, a wee, just a wee feeling that as I turned round, it felt almost like the breath of Jesus had just breathed on me going past. It was like, it was just like something supernatural. It was, I couldn't even tell you except that it, it actually, the sense of the breath of Jesus actually brought me to tears and I found myself, you know, when you feel the emotion rising up within you and I just, this sense of, you know, this is the lake where Jesus spent so much time in this lake. He spent so much time on boats in this lake and, and it was almost just a reminder of his presence and it was so strong. 
that I kind of was a bit embarrassed with people around seeing me so emotional and I went up to the front of the boat and I stood at the front of the boat and I just felt the tears coming down and it was just a sense of God's presence on the lake. And just in that moment, I had this thought come into my heart and it was like the Lord said to me, are you willing to launch out into the deep with me? And I remember just being very emotional and saying, Lord, yes, whatever that means, I'm ready to launch out with you. And uh, it was quite strange because when I went home, I wrote it in my journal and it was, it was very meaningful for me. Wrote it in the journal, but kind of forgot about it until that was 2016, July 2016. And it wasn't until June 2017 that uh, two young women came up and said to me, out of the blue, we would love you to speak at a conference. And we've already decided what the title of the conference should be. Uh, would, you, uh, would you speak on, let us launch out into the deep? Isn't that quite amazing that God would do that? And actually it ended up that that was kind of the theme for Savannah as well. It was deeper still, the same idea. So, you know, how God can have a little encounter with us that actually is very meaningful at the moment, but has something more down the line that he wants to steer us in and develop and open up for us. And you know what really struck me, ladies? That it's so easy for us to miss those moments. It's so easy for us to think, oh, that's nothing. You know, we, we need to have our spirits open for, for encounters with God in all kinds of situations, not just in safe Galilee, but when you're out doing your shopping or you're driving in your car. Because so often in my life, it's been those times when I've been doing something that I haven't even been thinking much about, maybe spirituality, but just my heart open to the Lord. And just something comes in and the Lord whispers something that's very meaningful. And so I want to encourage you. And here he is, and he's actually saying in this chapter, he's saying outright to these disciples, he's saying, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And I have a feeling that for all of us in this place this morning, that God wants you to get ready to cross over from where you are into something new that he wants to bring you into. Would you agree with me? Because he's a God of the more. And he is always wanting to bring us into more of his love, more of his word, more of what he has for us and for the purposes that he has for our lives. And so this is an invitation to you this morning. I believe the Lord is saying to you this morning, are you ready? Are you ready to cross over to the other side with me? What does that mean? What does it mean to cross over? Well, last week we were gung-ho here. We were going... We were sowing the seed here last week. We were going gung-ho. And then in the middle of the week, we were Jane and I were both flat out. And it was like, oh, right, we're not so gung-ho now. And you see, this is what happens sometimes because whenever God speaks and we're all, yes, let's go for it. And before we know we're in a storm. And that's exactly what happened here. Let's just continue to read from verse, 22, verse 23. And as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were, and, and were in jeopardy. And they came to Jesus and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. But Jesus said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, 
Who can this be? For he commands even the wind and the waters, and they obey him. I just wanted to to take a look for a moment, first of all, at this first storm. This storm that we're going to describe as the external storm. Because very often when God speaks a word to you and you sense in your spirit that God's challenging you to obey him, to step out a little bit, to cross over into something more with him. And you know those moments. Like I believe last week was one of those moments where we were encouraged to, to, to actually sow our finances or sow our time into God's work. To, to, to pray for people, to sow prayers in, for the kingdom, to see things happening. Last week was one of those crossing over moments. It was one of those times of encouragement that God wants us to be part of his harvest, his end time harvest. And whenever we're encouraged and, and he says, come on, let's do this together. Cross, trust, take a step of faith. Step out with me. We're going to cross over into something new. Very often when we hear that call and we, we respond to it in our hearts and we're saying, yes, Lord, we're going to go with you. We're going to do this thing. With your help, we're going to do it. Very often the very first thing that we experience is a storm. Would you agree with me? And usually it's a, we're going to look at four different types of storms. This is an external storm. Something that happens that's not in nothing to do in you. It's external. Because the disciples got into the boat with Jesus and, and they weren't sailing on that lake very long until a storm arose and, and they had no control over it. I remember uh, whenever, around about the 70s, we went to Israel and it, it's never happened to me since but there was two different occasions in the 70s whenever we were in the on the Sea of Galilee in a boat and it was uh, the boat that we were in at that time was quite a, you know quite a high up boat and we were sitting up quite high and I remember around four o'clock just the, the wind just coming up just unbelievable all of a sudden like a, a storm just rose up in the middle of the day and I remember that the the waves were actually coming right over on top of us and we were all screaming I mean it's never happened since over the past few years it's been it's been lovely it's been calm but uh, but Galilee is renowned for these kind of freaky storms just to come out of nowhere it's because of the way the wind comes down through the valley but can you imagine that, that Jesus is sleeping on the boat and this storm rises up and you can imagine that, that I'm sure the boats weren't terribly big in those days and how frightening that must have been for these disciples. And I suppose when I thought about this and, and sort of pictured it, it reminded me that sometimes when God nudges us to take that step forward of obedience, how the enemy will try to come in to bring fear through an external storm. Something that's outside your control. Something that just happens and you weren't prepared for it. Something that just rocks your boat in the real sense of the word. And we've all experienced those times, haven't we? Whenever fear comes in because of an external circumstance that we just cannot, um, we cannot cope with and we cannot control. You see, the enemy wants to stop you at all costs. He wants to stop you moving on with God. He can't, he can't uh, take away our salvation. If we have asked Jesus to be our saviour and to come in to be our saviour and Lord, if that has happened, then we are born again of the Spirit. We are sealed, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit seals us. 
we, we have this mark that God can see that actually we are sealed, that we cannot, we cannot fall out of, we, can, we cannot suddenly be unsaved, we can, can't suddenly be taken out of God's family. So Satan knows he can't, he can't destroy us in that sense. But believe you me, if he could destroy the future plans that God has for your life, he would do that. And he would try to do it through any kind of storm that he could come up with. And very often, in my experience, it's been through a spirit of fear that can come on us for one reason or another. When, when Jesus was sleeping on this boat, the disciples were freaking out. They were terrified. Fear grabbed their hearts that they were going to all die. And I'll tell you something, a spirit of fear can come against us through external circumstances very easily. Would you agree with me? We can, especially, I find it especially as I'm getting older, that you can just become fearful about your health and fearful about circumstances in a way that you wouldn't have maybe whenever you were a lot younger. And the enemy can take that and he tries to make us afraid to stop us going forward with God. <clears throat> and he does it very, very successfully. And you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that he very often uses the same thing to make us afraid. He doesn't, he actually doesn't have to be very inventful. He just goes back to the same old stuff because he, he, the Bible says that he studies us and the enemy knows your weakness and he knows mine. I have to tell you a wee story through the, that happened to me through the week that kind of brought this home to me. <coughs> a few months ago, <coughs> I was bringing some clothes out to the dump out of Craig Avon. And you know the way you put them into that thing and the door sort of slides, the drawer kind of slides and you put the stuff in and whatever. And I had put these, whatever they were, sheets or old sheets or something in. And as I was sliding them in, this finger, this middle finger here, just slid underneath. And it was just, oh, it was really painful and it went really black. So over these last weeks and few months, I've had this big black nail and it's been growing up. And it's about halfway through, there's a new nail coming underneath. You know the way it works? The, the old nail's black and it gets a bit, you can see it rising up because there's a new nail coming underneath. So it's about halfway up and I'm thinking, oh, I'll soon be getting the new nail. That's great. But looking forward to seeing that coming out. So anyway, one day through the week there, one night through the week, I'm up and I'm getting something out. We have two corner cupboards that go in together. And uh, you know what's coming, don't you? And I have my hand up and I'm closing I don't know what I was doing with these cupboards I wasn't concentrating but the next thing the same nail right in at the root so now I have a black nail here at the root as well at the end and you know what I felt God said to me I felt God said to me that's what the enemy does he goes back to the same place and I'm telling you ladies you start thinking about your lives because I guarantee you, most of the time that you get discouraged and maybe even depressed, most of the time that fear comes in and around you, it's over the same old issue. Would you agree with me? And I felt God, and it was really pain. I stood like this, I was like this here for two or three minutes. I couldn't talk to you, and it was so painful. And then it was like I felt afterwards. It was like to me, it was like actually the Lord saying to me. The enemy will come back, and I know my weakness, and you know yours. And you know, it was like God saying, just be careful, Maureen. Just watch yourself, because the enemy will come back on a certain spot, and he'll try to weaken you. 
and he'll try to discourage you and he'll try and rob you of what God has for your life. I'll tell you something that God does not want you or me to walk into our destiny. He does not want you or me to get to the other side of the purposes and the plans that he has for us. And he will use any old external storm that he can use to stop us going forward. So I want to encourage you not to let that happen. I want to encourage you to keep going on and to be watchful. First, Second Timothy 1 and 7 says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Really felt that verse very, very strong for this morning. I don't know what's going on in people's lives right now, but I sense the enemy is trying to intimidate, to push back, to bring fear, and to push us back and to stop us from moving across with Jesus, crossing over into the next phase of what God has for you. And so <clears throat> let's just read on here because it says that Jesus, it says that he, <clears throat> well, it says that uh, as, they, as they, they sailed, he fell asleep, verse 23, and a windstorm came down in the water and they were filling with water, verse 24, and they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, and he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased and there was a calm. I laugh because whenever I was in Savannah, I was talking about the calm and nobody knew what I was talking about, it's calm. Call. And I, I, honestly, it was like speaking a different language. I'm saying, can you ladies understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about the calm. <laughs> but you see, the one thing I love about God, not one thing, there's so many things I love about God, but you know what? God is a God who can bring calm or calm into the storm. Isn't that right? Nobody else can do that that I know of except him. And with one word, he could bring calm. He could settle their hearts. Have you ever discovered that? Whenever something's happened in your life, it's an external thing, you weren't expecting it, it just jumped up, some situations, whatever, and, you're, and fear comes, and then just, you just go to God, and maybe you read a few verses, or somebody speaks something into your heart, and you just sense that in one word, he just brings that calm, and settles everything down. And that's what I love about the Lord. That in the greatest calm, the greatest storms of life, that God can bring a supernatural calm. And so he brought this calm. And then it says, after he arose and rebuked the wind and, and brought this calm, it says, then he said to the disciples, where is your faith? Now, I love this because, do you know what? And again, I, this, God really showed me this through the week. Do you see whenever God really loves us, and he does, the fact that he disciplines us, is a proof of his love. Not that he's angry with us, but it's a proof that we really are his daughters when he, when he disciplines us. You see that issue with that wee nail? I'm not going to go into details, but that meant something to me. It's about a particular thing that God was putting his finger on. Because I'll tell you something, I'm not perfect. I have my weaknesses, and that's why I know you've got yours too. And you see, that was like a wee reminder about a certain issue. And... I actually felt, you know what, Lord, every time I look at that nail, I'm going to just feel so loved. I'm going to feel, you love me so much that you want to correct me. And that's what he was doing. He was saying, he was, he was talking to them, he was saying, where's your faith? Why? Because in every situation of life where there's a storm, Jesus wants to use that as an opportunity to grow you. Not to 
put you down, but to grow you. And so whenever we get a bit afraid in the storm, he doesn't come and slap us around. He comes to teach us and to grow us. And he's not displeased. He's just saying, come on, get your faith up. And he disciplines us. Those I love, I love Hebrews, Hebrews 12, where it says of those that he disciplines, he loves. That's a proof of our sonship and our daughtership. And so he wants, to, he wants us to grow through the storms of life and to get to know him better. And did you notice at the end here that after he had, he had challenged them about their faith, where is your faith? It says that they marveled with each other and they said, who can he be? For he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. Do you see how their perception, their understanding of Jesus was actually it was actually enhanced how because because of what happened they actually not that he was he he was he was always great but they were able to see more of his greatness and you see when you go through storms of life i'll tell you something if you if you just ask him to help you in that storm do you know what he will teach you and he will show you more of his greatness in the storm i was talking to a friend yesterday who had gone through a few bad days last week as well and she was saying she just had felt same old issues and just the enemy coming and feeling a bit down and all of that and all over the place. And these things happen to us all the time. And she texted me last week and we texted back and forth a little bit. But you know what? This week we were just both saying, when you go through those times of feeling a bit yucky or whatever, and you just feel, oh, you know, I don't feel as strong as I did last week or whatever, you're going through tough times. Do you know what? God takes you through. And when you just trust him and speak it out, Something happens that actually you begin to grow and you begin to appreciate how much greater God is. And actually this, this friend yesterday was saying, do you know I actually feel more equipped having come through that wee storm? And she's not that long a believer. And she's kind of catching on now that yes, we do go through these storms, but every one of them are meant to actually grow us and equip us to become more able to, to fight in the kingdom and more able to help others because God's shaping us as we go through these tough times. He shapes us, he, he molds us, he teaches us, he grows us as we go through these external storms of life. And they are so varied. And I was thinking there's a song, do you remember that song? It's an old song. It says, um, through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. I love that song. And one of the lines in it is, if I never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. And so it's going through the problems of life. And being a Christian doesn't mean that we are immune from difficulties. No, we will go through the external storms. And uh, we will, if we want to cross over with God, we've got to be aware that storms will come. But you know what? Storms will go. And we will go through with Jesus. And we will grow through the storms of life. So let's just continue to read on because we're going to look at four different situations here. The next one is from verse 26. It says, Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when Jesus stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house but in the tombs. And when this man saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you? Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. 
and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And the demon said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him, that he, that's the demons, begged Jesus, that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain, so they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. When those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also who had seen it told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadardines asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged Jesus that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Now, if the first one was an external storm, this is an internal storm. And uh, we need to know that the enemy can also work against us through internal storms. Can you imagine Jesus crossing over in the boat with the disciples and the minute he steps onto the land, the minute he steps onto the land, he is just confronted face to face as the enemy just comes and faces Jesus. I mean, when I, get, when I, when I think of this, I think of, it's like, hell facing heaven it's like it's like the power of evil facing the power of god face to face right in his face this man who was full of demons this man who was living naked in the tombs this man who had no quality of life whatsoever why because he had opened himself up to all of these demonic forces and I just kind of looked through it and I kind of picked out a few and I'm sure there were many, many more. But immediately you can see that unclean spirits were tormenting this man. Spirits of death. He was living in the tombs. <coughs> torment. Spirits of torment. Spirits of fear. Spirits of self-harm. He was harming himself. And he was shackled. And yet he, was, he had supernatural strength to break these and so as to hurt himself and to cut himself. And you know, as we get a picture of this man and see him living around the tombs and living like this, not even able to keep the clothes on himself, you see how the enemy, this is the ultimate place that Satan would try to have you and me. He would try to have us, even with no dignity, he would, he would even want to, to have you running around naked if he could. He would want to have you living in the tombs. He would want you to have a spirit of death over your head where you were living in tombs, where you had no, no quality of life at all. And you know, that seems to be very, very radical, very, very um, extreme picture. But honestly, that is what the enemy wants to do with all of us. And it's by the grace of God that we are not like that. Because the enemy wants, he hates, he hates us. And, and you know, there's so many people who are being tormented 
by evil spirits. And we need to realise that the demonic is real. There's such a thing as a demonic. There's such a thing as evil spirits. And they can come against us. This man was being, he was, he was, he was, it says, the Bible says, Jesus said that he was full of these demonic evil spirits. But the, the thing that really grabbed me was that at no time was Jesus, was, well, at no time was Jesus under any threat that these spirits were going to over, overwhelm him. Jesus was in control. In fact, these demonic spirits were terrified when they saw Jesus. They were terrified of him. So much so that they were pleading, you know, yes, we're legion, we're, we're, we're many, we're, we're called legion, that's who we are, but please don't throw us into the abyss. Because do you know what? The person who rules this universe is Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he is controlled over all the principalities and powers. But Satan is running where he can, and he is, he is, he is operating in all of this demonic stuff and people are being influenced and being harmed. And if you look around and see so many, not just young people, but all ages who are being tormented, who, who are suffering with a spirit of death and fear, spirits of fear and death. I mean, I have known so many people who even at different stages in their lives who have been hanging around graveyards. I mean, who, who, who felt drawn to death. People who feel that suicidal spirit coming over them and, and, and feeling the death. These, these things are real. They, our young people are not just committing suicide for no reason. There are demonic forces and strongholds roaming across this earth that are trying to kill our young people and trying to bring fear and death and torment. And, and if, if possible, and, and you know, you see it in, in so many people who are self-harming. I mean, that is massive nowadays, where people are cutting themselves and trying to feel better because when they cut themselves, it actually it takes away the pain that's inside. It's a, it's a demonic. But we shouldn't allow ourselves to get overly taken up with that either because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And we need to remember that we have authority against those things, but we don't want to be foolish and open ourselves up to it. You know, when it talks about unclean spirits, you know, you think of all the sexual sin and the stuff that we watch. We should be careful what we're watching. We should be, we should be aware that, that, that uncleanness in the world, that the enemy will try to, to at least oppress us with this stuff if we open ourselves up to it. That's why it's so important what we watch, what we listen to, and what we speak is so important as well. That we speak our truth and we don't allow the enemy to come in through lies. We don't receive lies. This man was in a desperate state. Wouldn't you agree with me? A desperate state. But I want to just suggest that we need to be watchful for ourselves. That we keep ourselves in the love of God. Walking in the truth of God. And that we, that we walk in purity. You know, it's so important that we just keep asking the Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's a good prayer to keep praying, isn't it? Because there's filthiness in this world, and we can get contaminated. And God wants us to be lights, and he wants us to be clean vessels in this world. And he wants us to be able to go out. And when we see people who are like this man, who are tormented with death thoughts, are tormented with self-harm, 
are full of depression, are running in fear and, and, and not enjoying life, that we actually can walk in the truth of who we are, that we can walk in purity, having been washed by the blood of Jesus, and that we can go out and minister and pray for people like this. Jesus was able to meet with this man and he was able to set him free. Did you notice that this man sat, was sitting, at, sitting what, we use that word again, calm, in his right mind. God brought peace, Jesus brought peace to this man. And you know what? You and I, when we receive Jesus as our saviour, we have the Holy Spirit within us. We have the power of God within us. We have the peace of God within us. And when we're walking in the light, and that's so important that we walk in the light as he is in the light, and the blood of Jesus Christ keeps cleansing us and we're walking in fellowship with him, do you know what? We will have opportunities at every turn as we meet people. If we're open to it, we will have opportunities to pray for people. And, and if some of this stuff comes up that we can actually recognize it and just speak a word just to say, spirit of fear, you will just leave in Jesus' name. You know, I don't believe, I, I know that there's very complicated situations and we shouldn't get into them, but you know, very often we can, we can speak deliverance over each other without getting into a whole lot of hocus pocus. We have the power within us to speak a word over each other and to command the enemy to back off and cover each other with the blood of Jesus. We have the power given to us by virtue of the fact that we are daughters of the King of Kings. We have been redeemed. We have been bought with a price. And he has given us, he told his disciples, all power has been given unto you. Go you out and make disciples. And we can pray for each other and we do have authority. And Jesus spoke to the demonic in this man and commanded them to leave and I don't really fully understand why that uh, he allowed them to go into the demons the only thing I can think of is that uh, if a Jewish family owned those pigs then there's no right to own them because because that was against the law the Leviticus law and maybe that's why he allowed the swine to go into the, uh, the, 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 the demons to go into the swine but did you notice that when the demons went into the swine, did you notice that the swine went violently down into the water? Uh, you know, again, speaking of Galilee, whenever we've been over there, uh, uh, you, can, you can cross over the boat to where the gatherings were. We, we actually drove right round in the bus and, and drove past the side where the gatherings, where that happened, um, where they believe it happened on that side of the lake. But, um, you know, when those, when those demons entered into the swine, into the pigs, and they ran violently down into the water, you know what really spoke to me this morning, just early this morning? The demonic is very violent, and yet the demonic can come as smooth as a snake and just slip in around you as smooth as a snake and bring a wee thought. That's just going to lead you down the wrong path. He is so sneaky, but there's a violence that he wants to destroy you if he can. No wonder Jesus said that the enemy came to kill and to steal and to destroy. That is what we are up against. But, but, I don't want to depress you because Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full.
listen, we have a full life. It's our right. It's our right to live a full life. And when difficulties come, and whether the storm's an external one or an internal one, you know, I believe that a spirit of fear can come and be, be around us very often from something that's happened in childhood. Maybe some trauma or some shock happened as a child and, and you would just be a little bit susceptible to that and the enemy knows exactly how to bring back that. Happens through memories most of the time. That's why if I hear William, even in the middle of the night, screaming out, I would go and pray over him. Just that the enemy, he's always looking for legal ground, legal ground that, that, that there's some memory that will, that will just make you susceptible, that he can come and bring fear back on you through that memory. And that's why it's so good sometimes to get prayer for memories, to bring them into the open, into the light, and to say, Lord, this is something that I feel is a root cause of why I'm always going back, being drawn into fear or some kind of torment or dread, spirit of dread. Uh, sometimes it can, it can be because of something that's happened to us later on in life where you know, there was so much pain entered in and the enemy will try to use that. He'll, the enemy will try to use your pain as a, a legal entry to cause you more pain. Whereas God wants to use pain to actually make you stronger and more wise and to train you up. I used to always say, never waste your pain because God can use pain and use the bad things to bring you into being a stronger person because he, he trains us up through the difficult times. It's through the storms of life. But we're not meant to be silly about these things. We're, not, we're, we're meant to be wise as serpents and to know and understand there's a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light and to be wise enough to know that the enemy is going to try and come against us and against our friends and that we have all that we need. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the, we have the anointing of God in our lives and we have... We have the gift of the gifts of the spirit and we are, we're equipped we're equipped to pray for each other and to win the battle and to push forward and no wonder the prayer room we're now calling it the war room because we're believing we're taking ground and we are we're taking ground because and especially we know that jerry spoke a few weeks ago about women the, the company of women rising up god has spoken to me about the same word about women needing to rise up it's time the time has come for women to take their place in the church alongside the men, not trying to outdo the men, but to know our place and where we fit and to step out and to see his kingdom come. The time is now for the church to rise. And last week I really felt God speaking that to me in a very, very definite way. So you see that this man who was, we would have said a crazy man, running, can you see him running over the hillside and so self-destructive and, and not in his right mind at all and yet whenever he has an encounter with Jesus he's sitting at the feet of Jesus and he's in his right mind you know what really got to me that the people didn't want Jesus do you know that people are still the same even though the gospel brings peace and brings fulfillment the world doesn't want the gospel isn't that the truth they do not want the gospel. And you know, if we think of the passing of Billy Graham, was it last week he died last week? Or the week before? Last week? You know, we think of the passing of that man and the impact he had on this world. Listen, folks, we need to realise we can have an impact too. Let's, let's fill the place that God has for us to fill. Let's cross over with him and let's, uh, let's, let's do all that God has for us to do. The third one. How's our time going? Okay, the third one. Let's look on down here. 
Interesting that the, the demonic man wanted to go with Jesus, but he told him to go home to his own family. You know, so often we can think, I've got to do this or go there. Or do it. But, you know, Jesus had a specific role for him to do, and it meant going back to his own family and being a witness in that particular area. And that's exactly what he did. Okay, let's look on. Now we're going to look at two sort of intertwined stories here. A family storm and a personal storm. Let's just read. We'll read it right through. Verse 40. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of a synagogue. He was obviously a Jewish man. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of Jesus' garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her daughter, Be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the, of the synagogue's house saying to him, Your daughter's dead. Don't trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. And when he came into the house, Jesus permitted no one to go in except Peter, James and John and the father and mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but Jesus said, Do not weep, she is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them, to tell no one what had happened. The family storm, this is the storm of Jairus and his daughter. And, you know, as I read the story, I was thinking how often, you know, a storm can happen in the family whenever somebody becomes very ill. And I'm sure there's some of you here, maybe you're even going through that right now. I know as a church, we have been praying for individuals who've had a sick child and thank God that we've had answers to that and it's been good. But, you know, <coughs> Whenever, whenever sickness strikes in a family or a family storm happens, the most important person we can go to is Jesus. And that's where this man Jairus went to. He was a, a ruler of the synagogue and he had obviously heard about the Messiah, he had heard about Jesus, and he, he'd heard that Jesus could heal and he had made it his business to get there. Can you imagine this man and he's, he's, got, he's got to Jesus and he's got Jesus actually moving towards his home and he's, 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 the hope in his heart right have got him now we get home to my daughter and all of a sudden the, the, the crowd is thronging around and Jesus is sidetracked with the need of another woman I mean I can imagine Jairus kind of champing at the bit can't you kind of really you nearly see him standing to the one side and thinking but my daughter you know forget about her what about my daughter but you know I just loved the sense of calm and that, using that word calm or calm again <coughs> because Jesus, you know, I don't believe that God is, uh, he's never hurried. God is never, like, out of sync. You know, we get hurried and get panicky and get anxious, but God's not like that. 
God moves in his own way, in his own time. He doesn't allow anything to, to get him out of sorts. Jesus dealt with the woman who was right, right, what was right beside him, he dealt with it. And, and as I think of this woman with her personal need, interrupting Jairus' journey home for his daughter. I want you to get a picture of this woman. She's been sick for 12 years. It's interesting that the wee girl was 12 years old and that this woman had been sick for 12 years. I want you just to kind of keep those two thoughts in your mind. 12 speaks of, uh, of, of um, completion. Uh, you think of the 12, uh, 12 tribes of Israel. You think of the 12 apostles in the New Testament. It's a kind of a, a number of... <coughs> meaning kind of, uh, you think of the 12 gates as well, speaks of completion or wholeness, authority. But uh, this woman has been sick for 12 years. And in some of the other gospels, it says that she'd spent all her money, but instead of getting any better, she was getting worse. So this is a woman who not only has been unwell, but because it was an issue of blood, in other words, kind of hemorrhaging. This is a woman who had like a menstrual flow of for 12 years. And of course, in Jewish law, that also meant that she was ceremonially unclean, which meant that she wasn't really, during the time that you had the blood flow, you weren't, weren't really free to, to mingle between uh, outsiders. So this is a woman who had suffered like social as well as physical uh, pain and, and sickness. She had also suffered socially because she was kind of estranged from, from the public as well. And yet here she was, she'd ventured out, even though she still had this flow of blood, she'd ventured out and she'd made it her job to get to the feet of Jesus. Now, whenever we were growing up, we were always taught that she touched the hem of his garment. And I think probably most of the translations uh, speak of that in, in your Bible as well. But actually, whenever we were in Israel and got talking to some of the guys over there, they were explaining that actually it wasn't really the hem. That's the wrong translation. It was actually the tassel of the prayer garment. There would have been four tassels on the, on the, on the end of the, of the talit, the, the prayer garment that Jesus would have worn, and that that is probably what she, um, what she touched. We went to uh, see Mary um, Magdalene's home in, in Magdala uh, in Israel the last couple of years, and there's a beautiful portrait there of, uh, of the woman's hand reaching to touch the tassel. And, you know, I love this because the, the tassel would have been... Um, it was woven with, uh, with, uh, with, with blue. And we first read about it in, in, in Numbers there, Numbers 15. Uh, maybe I will just read a couple of verses on it because uh, there's, there's something very beautiful about this. Numbers uh, 15, <coughs> verse 37. Uh, again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel, tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners. And you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them and that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined and that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. And so uh, this would even to this day, they would wear these prayer garments with the tassels on, on each corner and the blue uh, would speak blue speaks of heavenly things and, and these tassels were to remind the Israelites 
of the, uh, of, the, of, the, of the necessity to obey God and to keep his commandments and how his commandments are not grievous but they're, they're beautiful and they're good. And it's interesting that they're also, the tassels were also, uh, there was apparently um, that they had knots on these tassels and uh, there were, um, I'm just looking here in my notes, 365 of those commandments that they were to keep uh, were thou shalt not uh, they, were, they, were, they had a lot of, of commandments to keep and the tassels were uh, there to remind them of the beauty and the wonder of God's commandments now here's the thing these tassels were also referred to as wings I wanted to read just a couple of verses from Malachi 4 if you can bear with me for a wee second because there's a lovely picture here and I'd love to just get it before we finish today. It says in Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, uh, this is chapter 4, verse 1, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yea, all who do wickedly will be stubble, and the day which is coming will burn them up, says the Lord of hosts that will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves, and you shall trample the wicked, etc. Remember that, verse four, remember the law of Moses, my servant, verse, verse five. Behold, I will send you, Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest they come and strike the earth with a curse. What are these final verses in Malachi? Well, they're a promise that God was making at the end of the Old Testament, that he was going to send Messiah, and that he would be like the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. Now, the, the terminology wings would have been another word that the Jewish people would have understood to be like the tassels. So this wee woman who had been sick for 12 years, I believe without any doubt that she believed that he was Messiah that was fulfilling this Old Testament prophecy. And she realized there was healing in what she called the wings, the tassels. And in faith, she was believing the Old Testament word and she was getting to his feet because she saw that he was the coming Messiah that had been prom- pro- prophesied and promised in, in Malachi. And she was getting to touch those tassels. It wasn't a random act, ladies. I believe she was following what the word of God said. And when she touched her faith immediately, immediately, without even anybody realizing what had happened, she felt it in her body. She knew she was healed. And Jesus knew, Jesus knew that healing had gone out of his body. Listen, guys, we need to know that getting to the feet of Jesus, everything is there that we need. Everything. Everything we need is there. And this woman got to the right place. And, 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 and she interrupted Jairus and his do- getting to his daughter. She interrupted it. And, and, and whenever she was healed and, and Jesus said, your faith has healed you, then he moved on to Jairus' daughter. And you know the beautiful story when he got home. We read it there when he got home and, and, and put all the unbelievers out. Put them all out. Brought in Peter and James and John and he just spoke to that wee girl. In actual fact, I think the original translation just says, little lamb, get up. He just spoke to that little girl. 
12 years of age, and she just stood up and she was immediately healed. A family storm and a personal storm. We all go through these storms, ladies. We go through the external storms, the internal ones that turn us up, the family stuff, the personal stuff. But you know what? We have a God who's up for it all. We have a God who wants to give us peace in the storm. We have a God who wants to take us through the storm, growing, becoming more equipped to do what he's called us to do, to becoming a better army for him, to rising up to be all that he is, that he wants us to be. It's interesting, next week we're going to move into chapter 9. And next week, go straight into the kingdom of God, where he sent the disciples out to preach the kingdom. And I, I don't want to be taking anything out of context, and I don't want to be getting too crazy about this either, but just a wee thought's been going through my head. You know the way sometimes, you know, these stories are so they're true, they're literal, and, and God wants us to feel the impact of his love for us through the storms of life. But you know, just that last, uh, last, uh, story that we looked at with Jairus' daughter and this woman. And I just want to throw a wee thought out. It's, I'm not putting a theology around it or anything else, but I just something's been going on in my head for the last few days, and I just want you maybe just to think a little bit about this. Jairus's, Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. His daughter was 12 years of age. We think of the Jewish nation. We think of the 12 tribes of Israel. <coughs> Jesus was about to heal this girl, but he's interrupted by a woman's need. A woman who has been ill for 12 years. A woman who I was thinking about. Now, please don't think I'm going crazy or anything. I'm just a wee thought. A woman who could be a picture of the church, who's sick and needs to be healed, who needs to be purified and healed and to rise up, and until she's healed, the Jews, Jairus' daughter, can't be healed. I believe there's a future for the Jews. I believe that the Bible tells us in Romans 11 that there's a future for them, that, 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 that God has plans for them. But in the meantime, the church, <coughs> here we are. Listen, girls, last week God spoke to me so powerfully about the need for the church to rise up. The need for the church to be healed and to become with. God has no other plan to show the world the beauty of Jesus and the truth of the gospel except through the church. We are the church. We are his bride. And until we rise up and get ourselves sorted and get healed, the rest of God's plans for the kingdom and to bring the Jews into what he has for them, it's not going to happen. And I know it's a little bit of a random thought. I'm not, not saying anything to do with that being like a theological thing. I'm just saying that the church needs to rise. And we are the church. We are his bride. And it's so important for us to know that. And so as we get ready next week to look at the, how he sent his disciples out to preach the kingdom, I would love that we could all be encouraged that we have a part to play that God looks upon you with complete love and acceptance. I would love you to read Ephesians whenever you go home and realise that he has chosen you from before the foundations of the world. I would love you to realise that you are accepted in the beloved, 
that you are his darling bride. I would love you to realise that he has a plan for you to fulfil what nobody else can do in his big plan for the world. And that there are people around you who need you to pray and need you to speak truth into their lives. And that it's, it's so important that we get ourselves sorted out and we can only do that by getting to his feet and allowing him to do that healing over and over. And Lord, just keep teaching, keep showing, keep, keep, keep disciplining. We need it constantly, ladies. We need to be constantly. And he loves us so much he do it. But we've got to be willing and open if we want to step over, to cross over into what he has for us. And do you know what? I believe that the days are drawn close. I, I think that the time for God's church to arise has come. And we need him every moment of the day. Let's make it in our hearts a fresh resolve to rise up. Let's make a fresh resolve that we need him. Oh, we need him. And with him, we can do all things. We're going to just sing that song. Just love you. Even just sit where you are. And let's just sing it quietly, whatever way you want to sing it. But let's just sing it meaningfully. Because we do need him. But you know, with him, we can do all things.
just really sense that there could be somebody in here this morning, maybe more than one, and you just have a feeling of like a shadow over you. It's like the enemy is like making you feel there's something shadowing over you that's not good. And I just feel that God wants to, um, just wants to release you from that. Uh, and uh, I just feel that God would remind you that he is the one who overshadows you. And that we can, we can hide under the shadow of the Almighty. Uh, I just feel as well this morning that if there's anyone here who would like to just acknowledge that they want prayer by just putting your hand up. I'm going to put my hand up because I just feel that it would be really good if you feel like it, if you feel that you want God just to, to touch you in some area of some storm that's going on with you right now, that you would just like him to come in a fresh way. Let's just agree together. I'm putting my hand up. Lord, I want, I want you to come into my life in a fresh way. And I just want to acknowledge, Lord, that I am ready to go forward. And I just see all these hands raised, Lord. And I know that the enemy brings around storms against us. External storms, internal ones that churn us up and, and for all kinds of emotional and all kinds of fear and stuff that churns up within us. And for family situations and for personal stuff that goes on. Lord, we just want to acknowledge that, that you are the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. That you're God and Lord over all the storms of life. Lord, that you put the enemy, you've already put him under your feet. And Lord, we just want to acknowledge today that each of us in this place want to invite you to come into our storms. Shine your light, Lord. Bring your calm. May your calm fill us this morning. And I just pray, O oh God, this morning as we go out of here, we'd be aware and, and, and have a fresh sense of your presence that calms every storm, that heals every disease, that overcomes every sickness, overcomes every situation, that brings strength out of weakness. Lord, I just want to thank you that you're the Lord we look to, and Lord, you're the one we worship. And I pray for every woman in here today with hand raised, Lord, right now, just minister deeply. And oh Lord, minister to whatever that point of need is. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you already see. You see every heart and every need. I just see, I just have a sense of the Lord just shining light and revelation in many of your hearts, if not all of your hearts, of his love, a fresh love. As you walk in light, Lord, we just agree that the lies of the enemy have no power and no right to be in our thoughts, to be in any part of us. Thank you, Lord. We want to rise up with that woman, Lord, with the issue of blood. We want to rise up knowing we're healed. With your word saying, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Help us, O oh Lord, to go out and to do all you've called us to do. In Jesus' name.